Hi, I'm Molly. And I'm Robin. And this is Home is Where the Murder Is. Good evening, Molly. Well, hello. It's Is, is it good evening or is it almost good morning? In seven minutes, it will be Tuesday morning. Just like that. we So we're recording on Monday. We didn't get the episode out on Monday, so sorry about that. Well, we had a lot going on. I was sick uh, a couple or like two weekends ago or whatever. Yep. And then Easter was yesterday. Yep. Yep. Because it's so, still Monday. And then the real estate market has been freaking insane. So, you know. And so have my children. Oh, they've been great. <laughs> Such sweet It's fine. Angels. Everything's fine. I love how you say that every time. It's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> they're great. Because if you say it enough, you'll start to believe it. I don't think so. I don't know. No, they're just being challenging right now. I think we say that every time. <laughs> you know what? I think as the weather continues to get better, we're going to be outside more and they're just going to run themselves tired. And by the end of the day, they will just fall asleep. Sure. That's the hope and dream. Yeah. 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 So. What uh, else is new with you? Gosh, I don't know. I been getting any housework done, yard work? I did. I uh, finally got some landscaping done at my house, which is funny because I've lived there for two years and not touched it. So I I know it's only been two years, but for some reason it feels like you've been there longer. Yeah, well, that's because the wrath of it looks like I've been there longer. Okay. Because when you don't maintain your home for two years, yeah. it looks like fifteen years. So okay. Yeah, Fair it's enough. been, and I just, and I just recently unpacked too, so my house still looks like it's, you know, in, like, oh, and I shouldn't say completely unpacked, so I have unpacked like three or four times, oh, but then I go and find more boxes, like in my garage and my shed and everything, and I'm like, oh, or in the office, all of a sudden I'll be like, oh, there's, there's more crap, so I need to get rid of it, I wonder if you know of any place to do that. I'm having a garage sale, so you could do that then. Oh, when's your garage sale, Molly? I think, so it's um, the citywide ones. It's next week. Great. Well, I will stop by with all of my crap. I hope you do. It'll be great. Hey, but I do have pretty big news. What? We have a sponsor. (gasps) Whoa. Yeah. So I had an awesome lunch meeting with Aaron Schmitz from Epic Mortgage, and he would like to sponsor our show. Yay, thanks, Aaron. So I will be giving him a quick shout out to thank him and tell everyone that if you are in the, I believe he's in Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Illinois areas, and you're the looking- great, The greater Midwest, I, yes. I'll call it. Yes, yes, the, the greater Midwest area, uh, area, Aaron can help you with your home mortgage needs, refinances, whatever uh, you need. Um, he's amazing. I've sent clients to him and they've had great experiences. So definitely, um, reach out to him. I will be posting his information in the show notes as well as on our Facebook page. So, and when I do do that, please go ahead and comment with a big thank you to our first official sponsor. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's really exciting. So yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, that's all I have for now because I want to hear this story because I have bits and pieces of it and I need the rest of it to all come together. Right. Okay. So I'm going to be telling you the story of Peter Zimmer, a.k.a. Jovan Joe Collier or Collier. 
Okay. Not exactly sure how Got he wants to say his couple fake names. How there. he wants to say his fake last name, so I don't really care how it's pronounced because it's fake anyway. So yeah, because it's not really his name. Um. So my first my first sentence here is hold on to your butts. Okay. Grab them. I grab, got it. Grab the right cheek and the left cheek. It's in there. Okay. This is a crazy one. So it's another Wisconsin case. So I don't know if anyone's heard of it. Um. The Zimmerman, Zimmer. Not Zimmerman, Zimmer um, murders that happened. Uh, so it kind of begins in Wisconsin, kind of goes around all the country, blah, 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 for a little bit. And then it ends up in Florida, one of our favorites. So um, all the crazies go to Florida. It, they just, it's like a magnet. And it's that's why Florida is so much fun. It's a panhandle. There's something in it. I mean, when I, when I go off the deep end, I'm going to Florida. Yeah. Good. So and I want to give a quick thank you to Adam Quirk. Um, I had found his blog post because he was talking about that he had gone to this house at one point to go look at it. And then I messaged Robin earlier today. I'm like, I can't find any info about this house. So she did some searching and she found the same blog post. But then she just went ahead and emailed him. I because did. that's just who she is. Yeah. Which, I mean, I'm so thankful that she did because he responded very quickly with out any asking any questions yeah, he asked no questions he's like yeah i got info for you here you go robin's just like hey we're doing a um, podcast and we saw your blog and we were wondering if you had any information because we can't find the address because if you look like throughout like the mm-hmm. like on the internet you cannot find the address nope. anywhere and um but adam had it and now we have it. And we also have a 63-page PDF of um, investigating investigation documents, police reports, and other items, including crime scene photos. So thank you so much for sending those our way, um, Adam. It yeah. was super helpful. I had about a five-page um, thing written out for tonight. And now I have 12. So, oh, my God. <laughs> so you more than doubled my information. Which is amazing. So thank yeah. you so much. And I love you because. Oh, yeah. What I actually wrote. Let oh. me read what I wrote in here. Oh. Robin actually reached out to her new husband. Congrats, by the yeah, way. Yeah, my new husband. Yeah, your engagement. This he's is great. He sent this stuff over and I'm telling you guys, I'm like, I'm in love. I am in instant love. Because he sent the information and then all of a sudden he's like, oh, yeah, and I have the crime scene photos and sent them. Robin's oh. like, oh, my God. So this is it. He's the I one. found it. This is what I've been waiting for. Yeah, so if, you, if it, all of um, you suitors that were hoping to get in line, I'm so sorry. Unless you got some crime scene photos. I know. Yeah. I, I'm sold. So, Adam, I enjoy our life together. I'm so happy. <laughs> But Robin really likes to be left alone, but too. Yeah. So it might work out great. You so guys are just both busy, maybe. I don't send know. Send me crime scene things. And yeah, if there's any other um, houses good. that you've went to that murders happened in, let us know. Yeah. So so thanks, bud. Yeah. So I'm going to take a little sip of tea here, and then we're going to get started because this is a apparently, long one. Because apparently I have allergies now. Oh, yeah. So that's a new fun development for me. <laughs> we had to go to. <laughs> I mean, why not? We had to go get her an allergy pill, and then she proceeded to read the ingredients in her allergy pill and then sucked it down There's like a, a champ. There's a lot of crap in those, you guys. Don't trust anything that you take. Word. As I take the pills. <laughs> Ugh. Okay. Okay. So we're going to start off. Hans Zimmer was a German immigrant who moved to Hans? Chicago. Hans? Hans. Oh, my gosh. Hans? 
Hans. Are you serious right Hans. now? Hans. Hans. It's a Hans. Uh, listen, let me take another sip oh of tea. Oh my God, we're off to a good Hans. start. Hans. Hi, my name is Hans. Hans. Maybe he, li- maybe he liked to go by that. I don't he know. He didn't. Look, come on. That's that's just bad. <laughs> All right. Let's try that again. Hans, because of Frozen. Wasn't that in Frozen? Yeah. Yeah. Hans Zimmer was a German immigrant who moved to Chicago and met his wife, Sally. And then they later adopted two sons, Peter, who was adopted in 1968, and Perry, who was adopted in 1972 and raised them in Wakanda, Illinois. When Hans lost his job as an airline mechanic, the family moved to Mineral Point, Wisconsin in 1983, where Sally's brother owned a company that made crystals for radios. There's crystals in radios? That is exactly what it said, and I thought, that's interesting. It must be some kind of component in a radio. I love that. Yep. Um, Peter, who was 14, wasn't happy about this move. Um, he was popular. like people. He was well-liked at school. It's not like he was like an outcast or anything, but he just didn't want to move. He liked where he lived. Um, they lived in a farmhouse outside of the town of Mineral Point, and Peter was even on the track team. So like I said, he got along with people he was you know popular enough well, i saw pictures of him younger and he he was a good looking dude yeah yeah he he looked like a normal kind of kind of jock i mean he was only 14 but kind of like a jock yeah. like he just kind oh, of yeah. looked like a normal he could have kid. been in a boy band for sure yeah like what but in like this yeah yeah he could have been mm-hmm. yeah I um but then they were there for about two months only and by the end of may everything changed so here we go. We're getting right into it. Okay. On May 24th, 1983, at around 11.40 p.m., the Iowa County Sheriff's Dispatcher Richard Elhart, Elhart received a call from Terry Stivig, Vig, Stivig, who was Peter's counselor at Wakanda High School in Wakanda, Illinois. He stated that a student had called him concerning the welfare of Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer. Oh my God! I know. I keep on saying oh it. Oh my I God! I... Hans Zimmer. Han, Hans Zimmer's family in Iowa County, Wisconsin, on Bloomingfield Road, town of Linden. So it's actually town of Linden, but it's Mineral Point address. The student apparently received a phone call from a 15-year-old friend, and told and talked about how he told him that he was going to wipe out or do away with his parents steal the family car and go to texas this was a prior discussion and on tuesday another call was received from the 15 year old stating that he was in texas so he got another call saying that actually he called back and said he was in texas which is interesting um richard elhart then tried to call the Zimmer family, but wasn't able to make contact, so he sent Deputy John Frelick to investigate and requested that he would go with, since the closest Iowa County car was far away. On five, so it was um, the 25th now, because it was just a little bit after midnight, 1983, they arrived at the residence. There, they did find a red pickup truck, which was registered to the Zimmers. As they approached the house, the downstairs lights were on. They knocked on the door, rang the doorbell, and called out, but they received no answers. They then had the dispatcher try calling the Zimmer family on the phone again while they waited outside. They could hear the phone ringing, so they knew, you know, that the phone call was going through, but no one answered. Deputy Frelick and Deputy Elhart went to the rear of the house then, and that's where they found the body of a white male laying on the deck at 12.08 a.m. 
there were no signs of life. They had found Hans, 48, dead from five gunshot wounds. There was also a noticeable cut on the top of his head and appeared to be stains on the lower left back and buttock area. Buttock. Buttock area. The cloth was matted to the body and might have been torn from a suspected gunshot wound. There was an expended casing of a twenty-two caliber round of ammo laying on the deck near the head. A wooden-handled butcher knife was found laying on the steps of the deck also. The knife appeared to have dried blood on it. There were three live rounds of ammo found to the west of the butcher knife in the soil. After finding Hans, they notified the state radio and the situation about the situation also requested the Iowa County Sheriff, Coroner, and additional assistance. Obviously, they found a dead body. They're like, we need people here now. Once more people arrived, they searched the interior of the house. After checking the main floor and basement, they went upstairs. In one of the bedrooms, there was a bone-handled hunting knife on the table inside and also that also had some dried blood on it. In the hallway between the entry to two other bedrooms, the carpet also had that reddish-brown appearing to be dried blood on the floor. There were also smear marks indicating an object was slid into a bedroom, but that door was closed. When they opened the door, they found the body of Perry, their other son, who was 10 years old. He was lying face up. His body was very bloody, and he had no signs of life. There appeared to be a puncture wound to the forehead, which they thought was from a gunshot. Perry had also been stabbed several times, and all once they counted, it was more than 25 times, and he was also covered in defensive wounds. Yeah. A pocket knife was found folded up laying on the floor between the body and the door. I don't like this. So, yeah. Next, they started searching the outbuildings. At 1.25 a.m., they opened the door of a woodshed located behind a red and white garage north of the house, and the body of Sally, age 44, was discovered. She was face down on the cement floor, and again, there were no signs of life. There were bloodstains on the doors, on the door, like the bottom of the door, and the floor smeared toward the inside of the garage. It appeared that the body had been drugged into the garage. She also had grass clippings on her, which further proved that she was drugged from outside to in. The upper portion of her body was extremely bloody, and they could tell the body had been stabbed in various places, including several deep cuts in the head area. There was also a puncture wound to the back of the body just below the bra strap, and it seemed to be in the center of the back, and it was inflicted by a close gunshot. There was a cloth rag under her head and a string of white religious rosary beads laid across the back of her head and neck area. Sally had been stabbed at least 15 times. Jeez Louise. The knife had gone through the thickest part of the skull Uh above the ear and completely penetrated the skull. Stop it. Just stop. Yeah. I can't. This is just terrible. I mean, that's the... Oh, you just went right into it. Yeah. I I didn't waste much time there getting into this. There wasn't a whole lot about... You know, kind of their life before because you know they were an ordinary family they were ordinary people you know they didn't you know there wasn't much so really it, we just go right into I, the murder I, here unfortunately i know i just oh i know they were a very well-liked family though from where they were before they moved up to mineral point and um sally was starting to get along with the people here which i'll read a little bit of a letter that she had wrote but i'll expand upon it as i go too okay um, Bob Hill 
who was one of the first sheriffs on the scene, said it was one of the worst murder scenes he had ever witnessed. A deputy said, this little boy really bothered me. He put up such a fight to try to save his life to no avail. Gosh. So can you even imagine walking into this? No. No. And you know what the worst part is about these things? And this is what happened when I was researching my last murder, too, is I keep putting my myself in the victim's situation mm-hmm. and i just get so sick to my stomach like yeah. this is this is terrible he was 10 years old it's the age of my little boy I know. like that makes my heart just sink i know and it's even worse when you know who that the person that did it was family yeah essentially yeah remember adopted family i say but... essentially right i can say that because i'm I was adopted by my dad, so I get to say that kind yeah, of thing. <laughs> right. But um, One of the first responders was quoted as saying, I have been involved in well over 100 homicide investigations, and this was the only case I have ever had bad dreams about. I'm going to have bad dreams about it too, bud. Jeez. One car was gone. One member of the family was gone. He was nowhere to be found and just became immediately the suspect to look for, Hill said. Responders knew it and Pete, that Peter had killed his family. I mean, I, I, it was pretty obvious at this point. They had that call, um, but they also realized that Peter had fled with his father's car. So he actually, Peter fled. He picked up another youth hitchhiking, and they ended up in Kansas City. So here's a little bit about how that happened. So on the 25th, police went to Century Inn Motel in Kansas City after Carol Francie, Francie, the night clerk of the motel said two white males checked into the motel at at 9.30 p.m. on the 24th and tried to use a MasterCard issued to Hans Zimmer. She then checked the card and it hadn't been reported stolen, but she thought that they looked a little bit too young to have a MasterCard and they had no ideas to prove who they were. So she, um, also had two other motels that had reached out to her saying that they had other, you know, these two young white males attempting to register with a card that wasn't theirs. And this matched the description of those two boys. So the reporting officer contacted the white male. The fuck was that? What the fuck was that? That was just your thing that fell down. Oh, jeez. Calm down. Are you calm down? Calm down. You're literally telling this Spooky, scary, true story, and yeah. noises are coming from over here. Do you want me to it calm down? It wasn't a noise. It was a foam thing. Oh, God. I, I'm, I think you I... are jumpy. Can you blame me? <laughs> Jeez. Um, Where was I? I don't know. So the reporting officer um, went to the room that the young males were in. It was room 115. The first male had no identification, but he said he was Peter Zimmer, and he was from Wakanda, Illinois, and the card was his father's. He said his father had given him permission to use the card as he traveled cross-country to visit relatives in California. I'm surprised he gave his true identity. He did. I think that he had to show the same last name on the card. I get that. But, yeah. I think I would have just been like, the other guy is Peter Zimmer. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. Um, he also said then he had hitchhiked from Wakanda to Kansas City. And then the other white male stated he was Billy Carl Mosley from Chicago and that Peter was lying. He like immediately is like, nope, nope, that's not true. That guy's lying. Because 
Peter was trying to say that they both hitchhiked there to try to not, <laughs> you know, show that his father's car was there. Basically. What was that guy's name again? Billy Carl. Billy Carl ain't have nothing to do with that. Billy Carl's like, no way. Uh-uh. I am not Billy a part of this. Carl. What a great name. Yep. Um, he said Peter was driving a red 1982 Chevy Cavalier, and it was out in the parking lot. He, like, immediately, he's like, no, no, uh-uh. This is not, I just am trying to get to California. This is not my thing. No. Love it. Yeah. He said Peter picked him up as he was hitchhiking about 15 miles east of St. Louis on the 24th around 1 or 2 p.m. He was picked up. Peter asked where he was going, and he told him he was trying to get to L.A., and then Peter said that's where he would go to. <coughs> so, oh, oh. so obviously Peter didn't really have a big game plan here. No. He was just like, I'm, I have to get out of here, obviously. Yeah, that happens sometimes. Yeah. So um, he then told him that his parents were dead and that they had left everything to him. Well. <laughs> Which, I mean, part of that was true. His was, parents were dead. They were dead. Because he had just killed them. When Jeez. Billy offered to pay for half the gas, Peter replied that he didn't need any money, that he had a credit card. They arrived in Kansas City and tried to register at a hotel, but they were refused, and then they went to the Century Inn and registered using that MasterCard. Peter then told Billy he had to be careful because the police were looking for him. When Billy asked Peter what he had done, he replied that he had stolen the car and the credit cards and the property in the car from his parents and ran away. Are you hearing those noises? What? What I I'm is I am probably not because like I'm talking. Okay. Do you hear that? Do I sound crazy? A little bit. Okay. Just, I'm, I'm just gonna keep talking. Okay. I'm sorry, but it's like I'm afraid something's gonna jump up and get me. There's nothing. You're fine. Oh. The doors are locked. We're fine. Oh God. Um. Billy then told the officer that Peter had about five handguns and ammo in the passenger compartment. Billy then got the key for the car, and um, him and the officer went out to the the red Chevy out in the parking lot. Inside the trunk, you're really, like, creeping me out right now. I'm going to put my feet up because I'm afraid something's going to grab them. Do you not hear that? I do hear that. I want out. I think something, I don't know what's going on, but I don't like it. What is that? I don't know. Molly, I'm scared. Get up. But we're this far in. I we got to okay. keep going. Okay. I'll just try to ignore it. Just ignore it. It's fine. It's nothing. Okay. It's just we hear things in the walls sometimes. It's fine. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so inside the trunk, there were two sleeping bags, three suitcases, two large radios, a plastic bag with various coins, a camera, an army knife, and two wristwatches. Under their spare tire, there were five handguns and ammo. In the passenger compartment, there was a sixth handgun. So Peter had six handguns just in the car. Like, where did these come from? Peter was then transported to Central Patrol Division where he was held until they could contact his parents. So at this time, they don't even know what had happened up in Wisconsin. When Peter was first questioned at the motel, he gave them the phone number of Hans Skoll who was, when he was called, stated he was the brother-in-law of Hans Zimmer. His wife was Hans Zimmer's sister. 
So he Oof. stated that he, there's, yeah, I know, that he had not heard from Hans Zimmer all day, which was unusual because they worked together and he had not shown for work. And he did not call in either. He had sent his son earlier to go check on the house, but when he arrived, he found that the house was locked and the car was gone. So, a little weird. Yeah. When the officer told him that Peter Zimmer was in Kansas City with the missing car, he became very angry and told the officer that two days ago, Peter Zimmer told his son that he was going to kill his parents and run away. The officer then advised him to try to contact Hans and the family, and if he didn't get an answer, he should call the local police. Then, on 525, around 2.45 a.m., Deputy Elhert of the Iowa County Sheriff's Office called a reporting officer and informed him of the triple homicide, and they were looking for Peter Zimmer as he was the primary suspect. Oh, boy. So, as they were discovering all the bodies, this was going down. Wow. Like, basically at the same time. That's crazy. Yeah. On June 26, 1983, a copy of a letter written to Sally's brother, Thomas J., so-call, so it's S-O-K-O-L. So-call? Yeah, that, So-call. Sounds, that sounds good. Was given to investigator Brad Olson. The letter was from Hans and Sally's former neighbor, Mariana and Jack Leslie from De Plain, Illinois. De Plains, Illinois. It's De Plains, Illinois. There's a lot of S's in, like, Illinois' name. Yeah, and you never know when we're supposed to say it and when right. we're not. So, De Plains, Illinois. The letter is dated June 11th, 1983. So I'm going to read you the letter. Dear, dear Tom and Jane, but it, her the wife's name really wasn't Jane. She got it wrong, just so you know. It's taken me a long time to write this. I was too shaken. I only know your name, Tom, from the last letter Sally wrote me, dated April 15th, and I don't know the names of your two brothers. Jane, we met at lunch one day at Sally's. Do you remember? Becky, my next-door neighbor, was at lunch, too. There are no words to tell you of our horror at the snuffing out of Sally, Hans, and Perry at Peter's hand. I am certain it was his hand that did it, the dastardly deed. I can't go to sleep at night for thinking of it. I can see and hear Sally saying, Peter, why are you doing this to me? Sally was always so gentle. Sally sewed for me for 17 to 18 years. Aside from that, she was my dear friend and I hers. She babysat my daughter one year when my husband and I went to California. I gave her my car to use. In her last letter, she mentioned how she was settling in with the neighbors and that she had joined a couple of clubs. She hoped Peter was finally straightening out and would give, him, give them no more trouble. The last time I saw Sally, she looks like she had been pulled through a knot hole. She made a velour robe for my husband just before they moved, and I wanted her to have lunch with me when she delivered it. She delivered it to a mutual friend who babysat with Sally at home from church. She was afraid to be away from home that long, and at the end of the note, this was prior to their move to Mineral Point, she said, pray for Peter. Um... And then there's a paragraph just a little bit. And then a little bit further down. Crafty as Peter is, I think he waited until the move to Wisconsin where he could not be tried as an adult. In Illinois, a 14-year-old can. Sally, Hans, and Peter, Perry, I mean, sorry. Sally, Hans, and Perry cannot be brought back to us to our sorrow. However, I hope Peter meets with his just desserts. That's what it says. Desserts, huh? That's what it says in the letter. Okay. Sally was going to come down and spend the night with me after things got settled. There are no words to express our grief. So. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Sounds like Peter was really yep. going through some shit. Yep. So a phone call was then made 
um, from investigators to Marianne Leslie on the 28th of June, 1983, to follow up on that letter. She advised that Peter was the devil of the family and Perry Zimmer was the angel of the family. She went on to say that it was her opinion that a great deal of tension existed between Peter and Perry and that Peter was jealous of Perry, that Hans and Sally favored Perry and thought more of him than they did of Peter. She did stress she didn't know if it's all true, but she said it was her opinion that it was based on numerous conversations that she had had with Hans and Sally and observations she had made during her many contacts with the entire Zimmer family. She also sent a letter that Sally had written to her dated April 15th that she referenced in that one letter. In the letter, Sally talks about how the new house, the neighbors, the club she's joined, and the boys. She says, the boys are going along. Peter went on a field trip today to a place in Dubuque, something to do with his agriculture class. Can you imagine agriculture, Peter? I do hope he'll straighten out here. He hasn't talked of running away and no more killing himself. But like Hans says, he still has bad seeds. However, maybe here those seeds will be choked out. I'm praying they will. Peter just goes along. He's a dear little devil. So that's what Sally a had dear said. Dear little devil. Of Perry. Of Perry, though. I, I think she said it in a joking way in, oh. my, in my reading the, of the whole letter. She had a little, like, yeah. kind of humor to herself. So. so Peter was talking about killing himself? Apparently. And that's what Sally had said in the letter. Well, it would have been a lot easier if he would have just done that than kill his family. But. Yeah. So he was probably yeah. threatening suicide and because he was unhappy trying to get it. I mean, I'm guessing attention. Well, it's just interesting to me that you can be one minute suicidal and then the next kill your whole family and just then no, oh, I'm not suicidal anymore. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, yep. Now, I mean, obviously he got the right kind of attention that he was looking for. He sure got some kind of attention, didn't he? Word. There are also reports that on May 23rd, Peter had made a statement while riding the school bus that day that he was going to kill his family and asked if anybody had any suggestions on how he should do it. Good grief. Um, in an account taken from Thomas and Dorothy Sokal, Thomas believed that perhaps Peter did not act alone, although there is nothing to collaborate this. So he just kind of thinks that maybe Peter had help with this, but... There's nothing that kind of follows up on that. He also did say that it was common knowledge among his family and the other employees at the at their place of work that Hans did not want Peter to be present in their house alone or in the house or on the property with only Sally, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. That he, um, Thomas said that Hans was afraid Peter might do something and that he fears that his fears were based on Peter's past experiences with pot and a number of thefts. Gosh, this kid sounds like a mess. Joyce Rundle, who worked at a Ben Franklin store. Do you remember Ben Franklin stores? Oh, I love Ben Franklin. There's one still. Isn't there still one in Oconomowoc? Oh, maybe. I think so. I just remember going going to one, and there'd be, like, a rack of, like, these little sticker books, and I would love those. Yeah. You can still get those sticker books, but I mean, I just remember this rack of like sticker books and coloring books, and they were this one Dover. I think Dover was the brand. Oh, I love this. Okay, it was so great. I used to go with my mom all the time in New Glarus. I love that. Which isn't too what far from all of this. And actually, which is funny, I mentioned New Glarus. Sally in that letter, um, she was 
she mentioned like if you ever come to visit we'll go to new glarus which isn't too far away it's a very well-known city so yeah and it still is it's it is oh yeah new glarus is known if you're in the area at all everyone's always like well we'll go to new glarus yeah it is a fun little city so um so joyce who worked at ben franklin store in mineral point said that um, two to three days after the bodies were found while working, she overheard a group of around four women talking about the triple homicide. One of the women stated that Peter, after entering Mineral Point that day, most likely after he had killed his parents on his way kind of out of town, stopped and talked to a girl on a bike and made the statement that he was not finished with what he had started. Well, what more did he have to I do? I don't know. I don't know. Well, there was more family. What? But Oh, jeez. You know what I mean? Like, kind of uncle, you know, kind of thing. It is thought that he stopped and did this after the murder on his way out of town, like I said. Um, Zimmer eventually pleaded no contest to the murders. Wisconsin law at the time wouldn't allow a minor to be tried for these awful crimes. So, let that sink in. So, That's remember how, how he had said he thinks that he waited to move to Wisconsin to do this to his parents? He didn't wait long. They were only here for two-ish months or so before this happened. Wow. Um, He was found delinquent of the crimes instead of guilty. Wow. Peter was sentenced and said for just over a year for each murder and was sent to the Ethan Allen School for Boys. Oh. While he was there, he met a 19-year-old woman named Belinda who was volunteering there, and they fell in love. Oh, for the love of Because, I mean... You he sounds like he has it all together. Me. True love, right? Oh. <clears throat> Belinda had this to say of him. He was charming. I was like his princess. I didn't think much about it. I concentrated on who he was now. I believe in second chances. He brutally murdered his entire family and got away with it. And you believe in second chances? Mm-hmm. Belinda. You need your head examined. Belinda. So Peter was released when he was 19 years old which was the limit of the law at the time. When he was at the school, he read a lot, and he carried on correspondence with teens he knew in Illinois and Wisconsin, according to a 1984 Milwaukee Journal story. He also is reported to have have refused therapy and counseling while he was there. So that's nice. Also, because he was never tried for his family's murders, remember, he couldn't be, he was... went to be able to inherit the trust from their deaths and move on with his life as though nothing had happened. I hate this so much. Yep. Um, he ended up, so um, the, uh, this loophole the state lawmakers fixed after this case because of this case for obvious reasons. This is all awful and horrifying. It, um, it has changed since then, right? Yes. Okay, yes. Good. His uncles fought the payout, but in the end reached a settlement. Zimmer got to keep a couple of custodial accounts his parents started for him, and a new trust was set up for his education and support. He would get rent, tuition, and $100 a month for four years, unless he violated the agreement by returning to Wisconsin, Illinois, or Arizona, where his victim's relatives lived. Okay, so let me get this straight. He got paid to murder his family. Yep. Yep. Oh, my God. Yep. So after he got out, July 1987, he is now starting new life, new him, right? New me, right? Joven Collier. That is the dumbest name. Joven. The dumbest name. He got on a plane to Fort Lauderdale and off he went. When he got to Florida, he spent his first few weeks of freedom on the beach 
in Fort Lauderdale meeting girls. He said, I just had to re-socialize. Oh, Eventually, though, his love, his princess, Belinda, and Joe, he went by Joe, married, and they had a daughter named Nicole. Belinda needs her head examined. Um... Luckily, I mean, and I mean, she didn't at the time. Nicole didn't know about what her father had done as a child. Yeah, but her, her mother did. Yes, but I, you know, the child is. I you know. know. No, no, I'm not. Yeah, nothing yeah. about Belinda though. But Jeez. you know what though? Sadly, this marriage it just didn't last. Oh, I'm shocked. Shocking. I know. Um, Missouri court records show his wife won a default divorce judgment in 1993. They were married less than a year. So it just took right. that long to, for her, yeah, to like everything she, to go through. She must have gotten her head examined. He, maybe. <laughs> but don't worry. Cupid would strike again for Joe. He met his next wife, Leah, at a company picnic. They both were working at a newspaper plant and got married in March of 1994. They had a son together and moved to Indiana, her home state. Joe had a few construction businesses, but one ended in bankruptcy. Joe said his second wife didn't know about his past life at first, but she found out later and agreed to stay with him anyway. Well, what happened? But that's not what she says. Okay, so. So, but that's what he said happened. Okay, but. Remember, this guy is a liar. Yes, but what happened? So did he just stop talking to his his daughter? You'll kind of, it kind of comes back okay. around a little bit. Okay. Um, she, um, so Leah told police in Florida that she learned of the Zimmer murders only during her divorce from Joe, which started in, in 2004, which was finalized in December 20, um, 2005. So just lies, lies, lies. He's a lie machine. He's just all of this kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. she's like, no, that's not how it happened. Um, Joe says that he never volunteered the truth about his family during his post-Wisconsin life. He said that would pretty much be an automatic deal breaker, don't you think? Oh, my God. What a pile of shit. that wasn't his pickup line. That wasn't his pickup line in a bar. Hey there, lady. Hey, ladies. uh, Do you want to be with a family killer? You know, uh, I murdered three people. You want some of this? So. Tool. His friends thought that he was orphaned when his parents were killed by a drunken driver. That's what he told everyone. I hate him. He even took his Indiana family to visit their graves, where he would cry and place flowers oh, on the graves. my God. Can you imagine? These weren't even his family members. He just keeps getting worse and worse. I said, what an absolute slug. Yes. Slug is a nice word yeah. compared to what I would call him. <clears throat> but you know what? So that marriage ended. So Wait, so there's well, that the third marriage second second marriage yep. i apologize yep so you know don't worry joe will find true love again in late 2005 as one relationship was ending a new one was already beginning of course it was he met candy williams on a beach in st petersburg florida candy fell head over heels for joe three months later they were living together and planning a wedding that's a little fast it's a real fast little uh that's gonna make my anxiety go through yep. the roof three months come on yep She had this to say about him, that he was very charming, a smooth talker, sweet and funny. I'm those things too, but you don't see me shacking up three months in. Three months is quick. They had both recently moved to the area and were kind of starting a new life and starting fresh, and they were excited that they could kind of build that life together Um, and that they both knew what it was like to experience loss and tough times because Joe had told, told Candy that his parents had been killed in a car accident by drunk drivers, and then... 
um, you know, Candy found out that he had actually been married twice before. <gasps> oh, and that he had two kids. <gasps> and he'd been taking trips to Indiana to see one of his kids. But then Candy found out he was also trying to rekindle this relationship oh, with the child's mother. His slut. second wife, Leah. So when she found out all of this, they did break up. Good. But only briefly. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Because obviously this guy for sure didn't have any more skeletons in his closet. Like he's, this is good. I'm he's sorry. a good guy, right? Oh. So, yeah, unfortunately, they did get back together. Um, So, you know, at this point, you're like, how many red flags do you need well, honestly, before you're like... This is... Yeah. This is unreal. I, I I was so proud of her when they broke up because of all the lies. But how do right. you get back together with somebody that's lied yeah. to you like that? I don't think I'd get back with somebody if they lied about using my toothbrush. Like, yeah. come on. Right. So Joe finally came clean and told Candy that he lied about his parents dying in a car accident and that he actually tracked out, he was tracked down by his birth mother in Atlanta five years before he and Candy had met. Wait a second. So what did he tell her then when, what did he tell her? He didn't tell her about his birth mother, but instead told her that his parents were dead because lies were, are always a great way to start a relationship. Um, you know. So he basically, you know, um, again, he's still just lying. I'm having a hard time keeping up with I his know, life. I know. Um, so, but he did at his birth mother. This was actually his birth mother had found him somehow. So, but they didn't know everything about his past. Because remember. I would like to ask her some questions. Like, were you taking drugs when you were pregnant with him? Yeah, like, how did how did you make this one? Honestly. Um, when his birth mother had first reached out, he said, I figured she was looking for a kidney or the blocks had fallen out from under her trailer. What a yeah. dick. Aww, that's so cute. God, what a cute little, a yeah. monster. So he just figured she needed money or some sort of handout. But the reality of the situation was that his mother was actually a successful real estate agent. Of course she was. And she was married to a plastic surgeon. Okay, so... <laughs> Boy, he's going to wish he wasn't a dick to her. Yeah. He said that we had a nice reunion for 37 years. I didn't know where I came from except for what people told me, like your mother's a whore. You hear that as a kid. It sticks with you and you believe it. So, I hope my son never hears that. But I, mean, I, just, I just love all of Joe's little quotes he has. What a turd. Yeah, honestly. Your mom's a whore. That sticks with you, you know? Yeah. Um, so Joe and his mother got along great, actually. He stayed with her in Atlanta while he was there working at an investment group. But does she know what he did? No. Oh, okay. He met her family and country club friends, and they all got along great. When Joe and Candy rekindled the relationship, he moved back in with her in August 2008, and he was working at a construction company in the area. But Joe was spending tons of time on his computer, and finally she kicked him out for good because she found his two profiles on two different dating sites. What a skis. Yep. When he moved out, he started trying to plead his case and begged her to come back by sending her hundreds of emails. In the beginning, the emails were normal, you know, loving, like, please, I miss you, I want to get back together kind of thing. But then they turned out, turned and became very threatening. Um, here's a little love note from one of them. I hope your world caves in. I hope all your pets die. I hope the f house falls down when you're in it. I hope you get physic you get into a physically life-altering car crash. Oh, my God. 
Aw, Joe. Sweetheart. He just knows what to say to the ladies. God. So he even sent her an email pretending to be a mental health clinic saying that Joe had checked out early and that they were hoping Candy could talk him into persuading him to return there. He pretended to be countless other people, too, to try to get Candy to talk to him and get back with him. Oh, my God. So, you know, emails, like, kind of lies, like, right. But then there's some escalation here. He started to send Candy things to her house, including flowers, some sex toys, and a dead piglet. What the fuck? Where do you even get that? And why? Why do you have that? And then he went ahead and created profiles as her on different sex sites. He used her name, address, and pictures. Men began showing up to our at our house for dates. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine opening up the door and this, like, slimy guy is there just to, like, do you? Um, You're like, what are you that doing? That is a horrible thought. You open up the door. He's like, hey. Hey, baby. Hey, baby. Here I am. You're like, who, who, who what? <laughs> Yeah, oh yikes. God, that's so awful. finally she got a restraining order. It, it took a little long, in my I, I, opinion. Well, let's be honest. Like, she got back to him after yeah. he lied to her. I don't feel like she's making all the right choices here. But she only got a restraining order finally after he threatened her in public with a knife. I just don't get why people don't. Why? Why was she? Why did she wait for it to get so bad? I don't know. So then one day, Candy got an email saying that Joe had hung himself in a hotel. She reached out to his birth mother to confirm if this was true or not. And guess what? It wasn't. He answered the phone. Oh, come on. He wasn't dead. Um, Then he proceeded to ask her, well, you know about the murders, don't you? Jeez Louise. She told him that she had no idea what he was talking about. She said, right then, I could feel, all I could feel, like, all the blood drained from me. Can you imagine being asked that? Like, uh, nope. Nope. No idea. My response would be, could you be more specific? I have a murder podcast. (laughs) Yeah. So Joe's biological mom had built a nice relationship with him. But she was also starting to feel something was off here. So her and her husband reached out to a private detective to look into his past to see what he might be hiding. And that is when they found out that what they were suspecting was worse than they could have ever thought. Um, Murder, basically. Murder. Murder. And then Candy found out the truth about Joe, Joven, Peter, whoever he is. Um, She obtained an injunction against him, which... Charged him with a misdemeanor stalking. And um, this is also brought what she had learned of his families to the police. So what she had found out from the private investigator that the birth mother told her, she took that to the police about the murder that he had committed back in Wisconsin. He was arrested but disappeared after posting bail. Um, So all of this didn't really make Joe real happy what was happening. You know, this only intestified, intest, intest, oh my gosh. Intestinified. Yep. It made his harassment worse. I like that word, intestinified. Yeah. I mean, for him, that's probably what it did. <laughs> so he wrote to her, what goes around comes around. So just remember that you took my life from me and I am very lost and angry at you for that. 
I am here in St. Pete, and I hope to hell I run into you. You messed me over, and I will pay you back. Your rep, your job, all of it. Wow. Yeah, chill. He's not very chill with us. Not surprisingly, um, they charge him with felony stalking, obviously. U.S. Marshals were able to find him at a hotel in Georgia where he was actually staying with his new girlfriend. Uh, of course. Who claimed she knew girlfriend. nothing about his past. Shocking. Can you just imagine this girl's like, like the U.S. Yeah. Marshals show up. Like you're, she's like, what is happening here? She's just is like in love with this, you know, like kind he's of like, good yeah. looking guy. Yeah. How like, lucky he, am I? Like he's not a bad looking guy. Like no. he got through life a lot by that. He wasn't a bad looking yeah. guy probably, yeah. you know. Um, in May of 2010, Peter was sentenced to three and a half years for aggravated stalking and spent time in a Florida prison. Um, you know, so he probably learned his lesson, right? I hope he got fucked nah, in the ass when he oh, was in prison. Oh, he probably got he right, right yeah, in there. Yeah. So, um, he did not learn his lesson, surprisingly. I mean, if his track record shows anything, he will continue to do this. Um, in Waco, Texas, in 2014, he was again arrested for stalking. Jesus. Um, this happened after his fiance broke up with him because her friend saw Peter on the show, I Dated a Psycho. <laughs> can you even imagine? Yeah. I just said, I said, oh, my God, can you imagine? You're just sitting there watching your true crime shows. And then, like, I see, like, your, like, yeah. fiance. I'd be like, Robin, you need to turn on the TV right now. And my response would be like, Fuck, how did I not know about this? Damn it, not again. I hate it when that happens. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, He was also seeing another woman at the time, and she helped the police set up a sting to catch him, and he was arrested in the parking lot of a restaurant. He only spent two weeks in jail, but he had to wear an ankle monitor when he returned back to Orange County, California, and signed a lifetime protective order for the three women who participated in his arrest and capture. So, um... As far as I can tell, right now, he's a free man. Ooh. There is a Reddit thread out there that claims that he could be a very famous serial killer. Um, it's all speculation, and I'm not going to keep talking about that. You can go out there and kind of search and find that if you'd like. Um, so do with that information what you would like if you want to find out more about that. Um, when asked, why did you do this? Why did you kill your family? He said it was because his father beat him, his mother didn't protect him, and he was jealous of his brother, whom his parents considered the perfect son. But it's hard to, like, know if that's really why he did it or if he's just a crazy pants. And and he, that's not a good reason to kill It's not a good reason. Anyone. If anything, if his father was beating him, why kill your mother and your brother? Yeah. I mean, not don't even kill your father, obviously, but it's well, like... like and he brutally <clears throat> murdered his and family. Yes, it wasn't. It wasn't he, just like, oh, I shot him once and then I felt horrible and quickly yeah. called the cops and whatever. Right. No. Or like he did it in like protecting yeah. himself or something. Yeah. And then he took his dad's credit card and ran away and was arrogant and, and just, yeah. yeah. Like, no, I'm sorry, but you're not a victim here, sir. Right. So outrage about this case led to changes in Wisconsin law that now allows juveniles as young as 14 to be charged as adults in some murders and prevents anyone guilty of homicide from collecting inheritance or other benefits from the victims. Thank goodness. Word. So that is a little bit about Peter. Mm. Joe. Joven. Whatever the hell his name is. Whatever his name is. It's probably something different at this point. Probably. 
So now a little bit about the house. <clears throat> the house is located at 2102 Bloomfield Road, Mineral Point, Wisconsin, in the town of Linden. It's a four-bedroom, two-bath home that's a little under 2,000 square feet in Iowa County on 1.72 acres. It has a two-car detached garage. The house was built in 1906, so quite an old home. It's an old farmhouse. The Zimmer family was renting this house out when they resided it. They still own their home in Illinois that they were renting out there, so they had a P.O. box up here in Mineral Point. So here's the description from the listing. Very nice, well-maintained farm home with many updates on approximately two acres. Open kitchen concept with quartz countertops, a 600-square-foot deck, two-car detached garage, additional garage, 30 by 24. Beautiful landscape and great county country views of Iowa County. Includes all the charms of an older country home, including pocket doors, custom-built china cabinet, and hardwood floors throughout the home. I love Separate, pocket doors. Love a good pocket door. Separate zones for heating and much more. So this home was last sold, and actually the only record I see of it being sold, um, December 15th, 2020, and I just, the listing agent was Dick Pode. Dick Pode? Dick Pode. I'm not going to say who it was sold to because, you know. We, yeah. We don't need to. We got Dick Pode in the house. I love it. I loved it. Um, Can you spell that for the, for the the guests here? Dick is D-I-C-K. I meant the last name. Oh, Pode is P-O-A-D. Dick Pode. Um, <laughs> so good job, Dick. Damn, I'm a realtor, Dick Pode. <laughs> I know. Um, so, yeah, so oh, that's why there, it was hard to find information because they didn't actually own this home. But like I said, thank you, Adam. Adam. Because, yeah. Adam so, Quirk. Adam Quirk. Um, so on his blog, this is um, what he wrote about the home when i was a kid my family looked at a beautiful old farmhouse located near mineral point wisconsin it had been for sale for quite some time and we drove past it every sunday on our way to church in neighboring dodgeville so we decided to take a look the lot of the property was spacious in addition to the historic white house it contained a large separate garage and a gigantic lawn with ample room for us kids to play after looking through the whole, the house and wandering around the property, I was excited about the possibility of moving into this new home. And I knew that my mom and dad were excited too. As we finished the tour with our realtor, he asked us to join him in the driveway so he could tell us more about the property. With a straight face, he said, I'm required by law to tell you what happened in this house. After pausing to be to carefully choose his words, he continued, a boy killed his family in this home a few years ago. Yeesh. Which is interesting because... It's not actually yeah, required. Yeah, but at the, at the time. At the time, it could might have been. been. But yeah. Because I think when I first started studying real estate, we had to. Okay. So it, I think, yeah. So yeah, it would, it probably was then. So um, so yeah. That's just pure poetry from Adam Quirk right there. Just yeah. the way he describes the property and. Robin's drooling right and now. And then it ends with murder. <laughs> and then murder. Mm. So that is the story of Peter Zimmer. He's an asshole. And the unfortunate triple and he's just homicide. Out, and he's just out. He could be locked away in some state somewhere. The point is, though, he... I know. It, it's crazy to think that as a 14-year-old boy, he killed three people, and he didn't even go to jail. Like, no... No consequences. You know, there was no consequences for it. No consequences. And I mean, by all <laughs> accounts, if he wouldn't have been such a creep with women later in his life, 
Probably could have lived a normal life. He probably could have just li- lived a normal life. There's, I hear them say it on Morbid, like how many people that you walk by in your life that have murdered people. Well, you know, so I'm on this um, I, I can't Facebook think of it group. off the top of my head. Um, I'm on this Facebook group about uh, men that we, are we dating the same guy is what it's called or something oh. like that. And it's super interesting because people post, you know, any red flags about this guy or whatever. And you see the things that people are saying, oh, yeah, I went out with him back then or whatever. Or sometimes they say things like, "Um, yeah, he's really great. Just didn't have a connection, you know. So it's kind of a nice little thing. But there's also ones on there where people are, like, talking about how awful these dudes are. And, like, these women have all the same stories about how terrible they are. And this last guy that I was reading about, I'm telling you. He is going to be a murderer if he's not already one. And it's yeah. just like, what can you do, though? You know? Yeah. You just will have to wait, unfortunately, until it happens. So. Yeah. So I just looked it up quick. So according to BuzzFeed, the average person walks past 16 murderers in the course of a normal lifespan. So a good estimation would probably be three to five of them would be serial killers that you walk by in your life. Just walking by. Yikes. So odds are you've walked by a couple already. All right. Which is crazy to think. Don't like that. Yep. So on that note. Yeah, I'm I'm done with this story. I did not like Yeah, it, it wasn't. I mean, this wasn't even the story I was starting to do. I was starting to do a different one. I mean, I like um, this one. Oh, oh that's yeah. That's right. You told me. Yeah, sorry. Yep. You switched. Yeah, no, it, yep. was, it was good. I somehow, like, stumbled upon this one. I was like, what is this? I'm like, oh, man. I just hate when we have a story where like the the murderer is just out and free it, it just makes me so angry it's like that that ben bennett case that i did where that alfred or fred schultz or whatever yeah. is just living his good life in florida like it's just yeah these fuckers don't deserve to be living a normal life i i just get mad so yeah. i'm mad yeah but great story terrible story i don't know i'm tired but yeah so like i said this guy is out there so all everything that I read is just all that is out there already on the internet. I'm just saying that, putting that out there. You know what? We'll so, have to, we'll post a picture of him and just stay away from him. Just yeah. everyone stay. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. All right. Have oh, don't forget to uh, uh join our Facebook group, Home is where the murder is. Yep. And we have an Instagram that I don't ever update, but please follow. We're gonna I swear I'll get better at it. Just you know. I got to put that on that list, but follow it and we'll do better. Yep. <laughs> sure. I mean, I could help, but I won't. No, um, you do enough. Home is where the murder is at Gmail. At gmail.com. There I is. just had to make sure that I said it right because that one time I said murder is where the home oh, is. Oh, yeah, you did. That is not what it is. No, it's not. Home is where the murder is at gmail.com. If you'd like to send us any cases you'd like us to cover, don't forget to have all of your realtor friends join our group to join our affiliation, and we will send referrals their way. And, uh, yeah, yeah, tell your friends. We yeah. are doing great almost in every single state now, so we'd love to finish that up and get all of them. Get them all. Collect so. them all. All right. You guys have an awesome week. Yep. Thank you for listening. Bye.